0: Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Well, welcome back to Notes from the North. This is episode 25. Uh, We are your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. I'm Sam and this is Kyle. Kyle, how's your your week
1: been? The week's been uh, busy for me, as I'm sure it's been for you as well. A lot of work in my normal life, but I can say genuinely that it's always it's well not always almost always good to talk about the Vikings. Sometimes I'm so disgusted with the team that I, I don't want to talk about them, but uh, I always come back to them. So it, it is good to step away from a few things and and talk about the talk about those purple football players. How's your week been, Sam?
0: Yeah, it's been it's been good. Um, Personal news, I guess I just finished my master's program as of earlier in the week, and so congratulations. That's, that's exciting. I know you're kind of entering that stage soon for for you two or not your not your master's program, um, but some schooling that you've been doing, and so yep. that's been a real encouragement. Um,
1: yep, congratulations! I I actually didn't realize that you were like to the bitter end. Yeah, that, that's, ama- that's amazing. Yeah, no, this is this is a lot of. It's a
0: a good sense of relief to be yep. be done this yep. and and be onto this, and it's just in time for football season. Um, I, like you said, I think it's nice to be able to be in a spot right now where we um, are going to look at the season ahead. But I also feel like this kind of weak stretch is almost like the worst part of the season where we've got all these overreactions from training camp and all these yep. things. And we're trying to figure it out and, and trying to just have an understanding of what the season is going to look like um, exactly. without game starting. So I think that this is, this is our last episode before the season will start. So Exactly. Uh, Lots to lots to get to, but we wanted to, as usual, go through our three downs. And on our first down, want to talk a little bit about the cuts because that's been the significant news that's happened since we last talked. Um, so Vikings have filled out the practice roster, practice squad, and gotten their roster down to 53. How would you say you're feeling about about the Vikings and, and the Purple personnel?
1: I think overall I feel encouraged about it. I um, I wrote a couple pieces over on Purple PTSD talking about uh, some concerns that I had specifically about the pass catchers. I mean, their depth is taking a big hit with B.B. B. Dunn, B.C. B. Johnson, Blake Prohl. Yeah. So a lot of these depth guys are gone. And that's fine as long as Thielen and Jefferson are healthy and Dalvin Cook is healthy. But I mean... You know, Thielen left second preseason game with a thigh bruise. Jefferson had the shoulder sprain. Irv Smith is done for the season, right? So we've seen pretty quick what can happen. Now, I know – I think Thielen and Jefferson are going to be fine. They're going to be back. But it just – it goes to show. And then when you – that's when when one or two of your top guys go down, that's when you really, really, really feel the impact of those depth guys, those second-string guys who maybe could have been obviously not Thielen, obviously not Jefferson – but maybe pretty good, right? But then when you don't have that, and then if you have to keep going down, it makes it tough. And so, you know, I feel good about the roster, but I do think there are some concerns. I'm a little concerned about the depth at receiver. And whereas before I would have, six weeks ago, I would have felt pretty good, right? Because I would have said, you know what? Forget wide receiver three, we've got Irv Smith. He's going to be our third pass catcher and he's going to be dynamite. Like he's going to be very, very good. And he looked explosive he looked strong uh, in that third preseason game. it's just such a unfortunate break for him. everyone was predicting uh, a big year for him so I feel really bad in that sense and then I mean for him personally but then also for the team. Uh, and I also f- I guess I don't think they've moved Christian off to the IR and so where I had a little bit of concern about maybe left tackle and, and it'll be interesting to see kind of how things shake out there. But the fact that they haven't moved Erisov to the IR suggests that there is still some optimism that he'll be able to play relatively early. And so I don't know if we should anticipate him being on field in week one against the Bengals, but perhaps week two or week three or even week four. Uh, I'm of the opinion that it's far better to bring him back in week four at 100% than in week one at 95%. I mean, forget Rushing him along, right? Because at the end of the day, saw is supposed to be our left tackle for the next ten years. Ideally, uh, ideally, if you if you spend a first round pick on him. So, where I'm a little concerned about the O line, a little concerned about the receivers. Um, but man, I love that D line. I think the D line is going to be ferocious, especially if one of the guys pops that we didn't. We, I mean, we're all expecting Hunter to be good. We're all expecting Pierce and Tomlinson to be an absolute handful. But then, mm-hmm. if DJ if DJ one pops, like if he really takes a step forward, or if Sheldon Richardson, you know, really looks explosive, or, or you know, if Armon Watts looks really good, then man, that D line is going to be ferocious.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's one of those things. Like we said, when we saw that unit come in for the first time in that game two against the Colts, and not it wasn't even the full team, but yeah, just we didn't was, even have was just, It was just such a difference maker. Um, yeah. The Darissa thing does feel heavy, and I think it feels heavier considering even just what has happened with this draft class. I yeah. feel like people have kind of panicked and it feels a little bit like a lot of the weight of this being a successful draft class, especially for a team that was drafting in the hopes of, of competing and having a couple guys fill in some spots. Um, it feels like there's a lot of weight on the shoulders of Derrissat and his uh, well, his
1: ability, but also his availability really at this point. That's right. I mean, keep in mind it's it's not like we went into the off season saying man our o line is fantastic and we just maybe need a depth player or two so we we everyone went in fans coaches the management no matter anyone associated with the team went into the off season saying the o line needs to be fixed they then cut riley reef who is underrated not not elite but pretty steady they then cut him and then 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 they didn't do anything in free agency really to replace him and so you're going into the draft saying to yourself okay we all knew we had this big, big need, right? And then we actually subtracted, you know, our second best lineman and then didn't do anything at all to address it. So you go into the draft saying to yourself, okay, we for sure almost like 100% need to make left tackle or need to make the offensive line a priority early, right? And they did. And, you know, they traded down, they still got Darisaw. And that in the moment, that felt like a huge relief because it was great value to get him at 23. And, you know, they traded down from 14, I believe. So in the moment, I felt good. But it doesn't mean a damn thing unless he actually, like you said, is both, one, available, and two, actually can play. And right now, we're mostly just concerned about being available, right? And and then from there, we'll see, okay, can this dude actually play? And so I feel good overall with the roster. There still is a lot of elite talent. Jefferson and Thielen are elites. Alvin Cook is an elite player. Uh, Eric Hendricks, he's an elite line. Daniel Hunter, Harrison Smith. I mean, these are, and then you have a lot of really good players. is a good player, right? Xavier Wood's a good player. Bashar Breland's a good player. You know, down the line, right? You probably don't say Tomlinson or Pierce are elite. I mean, they're not Aaron Donald, but they're <clears> good <throat> players, right? And so it's like the team, there's talent there, but I think you could look at the roster on paper and you could say, you know what? there are some shortcomings here and here and here and that gives me some pause i think would be fair to say yeah and i think
0: i think most rosters have that but it's that's right but like for a team like when we saw the chiefs like you don't notice the weak players because the top players are so so elite and that's i think when you're talking a little bit about the receiving core thiel and jefferson that's a top five receiving core with that them, yeah. them there pretty substantially, but you drop one of those guys down, and then all of a sudden you're I don't even know where you put that receiving core in terms of rankings. It's definitely not yeah. not high. Um, so I think that there's certainly is can be some optimism because of the players they do have, but their availability at this point is key, and um, it's mm-hmm. felt like it started a little bit rocky with uh, some yeah. of the injury concerns. Um, yeah. Just finishing up with talking about the cuts were there any surprises for you in terms of who has been cut from this roster at this point
1: yeah so i and again you can i put this down in writing so people can look go look at it if they want to um some of my predictions are right some of them are wrong it's a mixed bag which i think probably you could say about anybody um anybody who does these predictions it can be pretty humbling <laughs> it's just i was just happy that i didn't get everything wrong but i was you know i was uh, happy to see Blake Lynch get on there, Josh Metellus. Um, I'm happy to see that AJ Rose back in the practice squad. I thought that that's where they would get him. But other moves, I really didn't foresee Amir Abdullah being cut. I thought yeah. he was one who, uh, especially, you know, we're, we're just talking about uh, this potential concern about the depth of that receiver or lack thereof. Well, Amir Abdullah is someone who might help. Not necessarily in that he's going to line up out wide hundreds of times, like does, or Jefferson, but insofar as he's a really capable receiving back. And in the preseason, they actually lined him out wide several times. And so mm-hmm. to me, you got this guy who's super fast, catches the ball well, really intelligent, and he's a veteran. And I know there are ball security issues. I know he's not big and strong in the same way that say Alexander Madison is. is a little bit bigger and stronger. But Abdul is a nice player, and, and he's versatile. And so I was surprised that uh, he ended up getting cut. That was probably the one that was actually the most surprising to me. Uh, just in so far as he can do a lot of different things for the offense, and also contribute on special teams. You know, and all the while being a character guy who's really smart, who's good in the locker room, and like he's still around the team. You know, and and he might still get activated before game one or at some point in the regular season. But that's one that stood out to me. W- were there any ones for you that were just? Kind of took you off guard a little bit yeah that was the one i like, like i guess
0: you know more about this roster i like when i saw the cuts that were coming in i was like okay this makes sense that makes sense from what i see in my in my knowledge but uh abdullah was definitely the one that i was like oh that's an interesting yeah. cut and i think for me it pointed more to the i think the fact that i was interested about it was the special teams impact um more so because it seems to put a lot of um confidence in the guys that are there um smith mercett particularly and yep in some ways that's encouraging um but it also means that you put a lot of faith in a rookie and considering where special teams was at last year yeah it just it feels um that was just a surprise to me but again it doesn't matter uh until it matters but exactly but it does. That was for me, the one cut. I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is this is interesting that they would, uh, that that he wouldn't make that fifty-three man roster." And this is all to say that this is still like we're, we're recording on on Friday afternoon. We're still eight days, nine days away from from the season exactly. starting, yep. and so things can change. Things have changed day to day, but yep. but yeah, I certainly agree with you there. Percent. Um, we can transition a little bit now into second down here and second and third down are connected uh, second down we're going to look at the Vikings will fail if uh, and we promise we'll get to the more positive the Vikings will succeed if um, but let's get the the fail part out of the way um, obviously there's more to success and failure in the NFL than just players um, but there's definitely but like they're definitely the main part of a team success so with that in mind, how would you fill in the blank? So the Vikings will fill this season if what?
1: If blank. Yeah. So I, you know, to that point where a little bit where it's, you know, the old football saying it's both the Jimmys and the Joes, not the X's and the O's. Which is to say that the Jimmys and the Joes, the players, matter more than the X's and the O's. The scheme, the plays, that kind of thing. So coaching is important. X's and O's are important, without question. But it really comes down to the Jimmys and the Joes. It helps having Patrick Mahomes under center, right? Like it helps having Aaron Donald at three technique. So when I look at the roster, you know, we were just saying, and I, I, I didn't intend, when I was thinking about what I was going to say here, I didn't intend to to bring this up, but Sam was just mentioning it. Uh, I am a little concerned about returner, both punt return and kickoff return. And, you know, it's obviously not as important as, say, quarterback, you know, if our quarterback goes out and throws four picks in the first quarter, and we get down by twenty-eight points, well, that that's that's pretty important. That's a big deal. But we all saw last year what happens when the special teams really struggle and struggle mightily, like just thoroughly incompetent. And and part of that was the returns, and we we just did so so poorly in returns. And I am nervous about Emir Smith Marset, uh, not because I don't like him, not because I don't think he will be a great returner someday. I think he's super explosive. I love his confidence. I love his personality. I'm nervous about uh, his ball security. When he runs, you can see the air in between the ball and his chest, right? And so you always thought, yeah, that's just, this is basic football. If you played when you were 10 years old, you're going to learn about, you know, keep it high and tight, high and tight. So it's kind of cradle into your shoulder and your chest and your arm. And if I'm seeing that, ball and saying to myself, man, oh, man, that's pretty loosey-goosey. I can guarantee that special teams coordinators are as well. And it'd be interesting to me, you know, it's it's hard to catch him. He's fast. He's explosive. But it would be interesting to me It's once you slow him down and then that second man comes in, the second man's always attacking the ball, uh, I'll be curious to see. Because first and foremost, it's one thing to say, yeah, we want to have big, long returns. That's true for sure. But first and foremost, it's about securing the ball and getting possession, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Apart from getting a safety, you need to have possession of the ball in order to score, right? And so first and foremost in special teams, it's about actually getting the ball back, right, in your return phase. And then from there, you ideally can put your offense in a better position. So the Vikings season will be a failure if the special teams doesn't take a noticeable step forward, especially in the return game. And the coverage and so with emir smith set i'm a little bit nervous uh about uh about the returns and the ball security in particular sam was that do you do you have a thought here before i, I got one or other probably that i'll highlight but what do you think here
0: no I, like i that resonates with me i guess when you th- when i when you initially brought up special teams i would have thought you had gone more towards the kicking um, yeah versus the return but i think your point is certainly extremely valid in the sense that you cannot uh, afford to have turnovers in the special teams section. It, I, like specifically talking about um, those kick returns and punt returns, um, losing the ball on those is absolutely killer for for any momentum for um, your ability to score. So I, I would have thought you would gone towards the the kicking, but the return game makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just you mentioned Emer Smith, uh, Smith Marset, and I, you know, I've written a little bit about this and thought about it. And when I see him run, you just see there's so much room uh, for the ball. And so, yes, the kicking needs to be better, without question. I mean, we replaced Colquitt with uh, the gentleman from Pittsburgh, and so he's yeah. going to be our kicker now. And so, like, like all phases of the special teams really needs to improve. Uh, but I mean, that was just the one that you kind of so that was a little bit off the cuff, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if we don't do better there. I mean, think especially for a Mike Zimmer team, complimentary football, possessing the ball, um, consistently putting the offense our, that is our own offense in a favorable position to succeed. Whereas with the defense, we want to always make sure that the you know field position really, really matters for Zim, right? Uh, with the way that he wants to play. And so holding on to the ball, possessing the ball, that is hundred percent, a huge deal. Uh, yeah. And we will fail if we don't do that well
0: yeah and and you said you had a part two to the if we will fail is that is i that do
1: right?
0: but you 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 go first here no that's all i that's all i had to to say all right yeah I, I agree i think there's like yeah there's lots of things but i'm before i jump in with any thoughts i do want to hear your your two so i don't steal any any thunder
1: well we we've already kind of talked about it a little bit we will fail if we suffer one or two more significant injuries in offense that that's that would be correct. my that would be my concern. Um, you know, I, I, am not superstitious, but I almost hesitate to say these things. Like I got Cause I just, I just don't want this to happen. But if one of our main, if, you know, Jefferson Thielen cook, that three headed monster, those three, you could say all three are elite NFL skill players. Any one of those three goes down. There's a big problem, right? If Thielen goes down now, Jefferson gets doubled every single play or at the very least every single passing play probably. Right. So it's, Therefore, harder for Jefferson. And then you're relying on, you know, DD Westbrook is still recovering from his ACL. Maybe KJ Osborne, who doesn't have an NFL reception. I mean, he only he only has one year, but in his rookie year, he didn't he literally didn't do anything on offense. Uh so it's it's gonna be interesting. So that would be to me, that would be if one of those skill position guys goes down, or say if Dalvin Cook goes down, and then again, that's another. Some someone i'm hoping that gets a little more involved in the run game but then also someone who allows the pass game to succeed because he demands so much attention uh so we will fail if our bad luck continues in terms of injuries and offense
0: yeah i i was gonna say that was gonna be my my point was the injuries yeah. and injuries yeah. did feel a little bit like luck and you said you're not superstitious i was thinking of the the office, uh, I'm not exactly. super strict, but I am a little stitious.
1: I'm a um, little stitious. I'm a little stitious. A little stitious. Yeah. And,
0: and so, yeah. uh, good right. Michael Scott quote there. But it, I uh, I do think that there's certainly, and I was thinking about this today, there's certainly a part of luck to injuries, but there's also a part of preparation. I know I saw a tweet earlier this week where I was talking about specifically the LA Rams and how successful they've been, particularly in the last five years, in terms of um, avoiding significant injuries. And I do think that uh, they certainly part of a team's ability to avoid injuries that I think is manageable. Um, mm-hmm. You can look at training, you can look at whatever. I, I know the specific point that this conversation was in reference to was just avoiding playing these stars in the preseason games. Right. Um, and I think the Vikings have overall done a pretty good job of that. Um, you can look at the Thielen situation and feel like, okay, well, maybe that was poor in retrospect, but but mm-hmm. I also think that there is part of getting guys up to game speed that can be helpful that you're able to do in a game that you can't do in camp. Um, but for sure, there is the injuries that um, can make a breaker season. I think we we all get to experience a little bit of fantasy football. Um, <laughs> That's right. And and you, you draft a guy in the first round and. and and so always someone the first round ends up going down, but um, yeah. just look at the Vikings avoiding the injuries to those significant players is certainly a uh, key and, and crucial for this season to, to not be a failure yeah. unless, unless you have someone that steps up in a big way.
1: Um, right. But just totally out of the blue didn't see it coming that can, that can save your season. Yes. Right. And, and on
0: that point, maybe we can transition to the Vikings will succeed if um So you referenced a little bit earlier, some of the strengths, some of the things that you're excited about with the roster. Um, Right. What would you say are the
1: strengths when you look at this roster from, from your perspective? So the strength, I mean, we already mentioned the D line and again, that's to me, it just has so much potential, even though I still recognize that Tomlinson and Pierce are a little bit of a clunky fit on paper. In that they're both one techniques, and but then you're you're kind of flexing Tomlinson out to a three technique, which generally speaking is gonna to go to somebody who's a little bit smaller, perhaps a touch quicker. But I just think there's so much potential there and that they can they demand so much attention, and then if you consistently leave a center or a guard on those guys one on one, you know Pierce and Tomlinson are gonna probably win that matchup because they're just su- such powerful big guys. And so I think the defensive line has so much potential, especially if players take a step forward. If DJ Wanham takes a noticeable step forward, if Armand Watts takes a step forward. uh, You know, again, it's all a bunch of these ifs, right? Uh, We're trying to project into the future, and all we really have is what we can see on paper, and what we've seen in past seasons, and then more recently in the preseason, and then obviously in training camp and practice, that kind of thing. But I think there is reason to be concerned about the defensive line. But what I'll say there is, to maybe flesh it out a little bit, is not just the defensive line, but the front seven in particular. Uh, the Vikings kept seven linebackers. Now that was something that I was surprised about on the roster. I wouldn't have expected that they would keep that many linebackers just in that the conventional wisdom right now is that coverage players, which is to say corners especially, but also safeties, and then edge rushers. Those are the ones who really make the biggest difference. You know, it's a passing league, so you want guys who can hit the quarterback, cover receivers. That that tends to be the conventional wisdom for defense these days. Well, the Vikings end up keeping seven linebackers, which is quite a few, right? And so to me, that suggests there's maybe a a touch of uncertainty about Anthony Barr's health and whether he'll be available in those first couple weeks. But to me, that front seven... With that defensive line, and then with Kendricks and Barr, right? Especially, oh man, I mean, I know I'm saying s- seven here, so I guess you know, maybe Nick Vigil or that kind of thing, but they're going to play a lot of nickel. McKenzie Alexander is going to be on the field, nickel being five defensive backs on the field. Um, right. and so you only, I guess, have six guys, uh, that front six, I suppose, then five defensive backs. Uh, but the linebackers in the D line, Barr healthy, Kendricks healthy doing their thing and then the d-line if that group ends up kind of coming together like we are hoping and expecting the defense is going to be tough 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 to overcome
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i I know i was reading an article today in the athletic that was talking about the the bold prediction they had for all 32 uh okay teams and uh it's by uh i'm gonna butcher the pronunciation but capadilla um
1: I love Shiokopia. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's great.
0: And anyways, he he predicted like his bold prediction. So it's not like his prediction, but his bold prediction would be that the Vikings have the best defense in the
1: in the NFL. I know he's and he's doubling down on that. He said that yeah. before. This isn't the first time he said this. No, he said and
0: the double down. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, because I that raised some eyebrows. Um, I, well, mine. I think other people's as well, because he predicted that earlier in the season. He put. Minnesota's defense as his number one defense, which I wouldn't put Minnesota as the number one defense in the NFL, and I'm as, as I'm as biased as it gets. Yeah. But and he and he's he's not a Vikings writer. He's I think his background is with the Eagles, and so but now he's mostly a national guy now for the Athletic. But that was surprising to me. And who knows? Like there there is legit talent over there. You no, know, for sure. I, I was like
0: I was glad to see an optimistic uh, bull prediction yeah. for the Vikings because I know like. They had like Trevor Lawrence will get sacked the most. Um, out of players. I was <laughs> yeah. like, okay, at least right. we're not yeah. on that end. Um, yeah, right, right. It is always encouraging to hear someone else have something positive to say about your team. Um, yeah, and so, it an definitely, yeah, yeah. It definitely has the potential. I feel like, and maybe you may have a different opinion, but it feels a little bit like if you look at, um, yeah, that front seven, front six, whatever, depending on the, the coverage and what uh, personnel mm-hmm. that they put out. It feels like there's more variability that could like it could go one way or another where i feel okay about um the corners and the safeties i feel like Mm -hmm. okay you kind of have a good idea of where they're coming from whereas the those like that the d line um that that front seven it feels like there's a little bit more of uh this could go one way or another is that okay is is that maybe that's just like um
1: my my only hesitation a little bit with that is that the, the starting secondary looks like, and and it's not to say there hasn't been a lot of turnover in the front seven. There has. Right. But your starting secondary, you're going to have Patrick Peterson, Rashad Breeland, or his two, two starting corners. They're both new. Mackenzie Alexander is going to be your slot. And I guess he's new, kind of, but he's coming back. And then, because he was in Cincinnati for one year, but before that, he was with the Vikings. And then you have Harrison Smith and Xavier Woods. Depending on how you wanted to define things, you at the very least have three new, or maybe you could say three and a half new in a sense, and that Alexander's coming back. So there's a fair, but they could end up being really good. Like I, I think Breland's a fine corner. I know he got scorched by Tyreek Hill in uh, in the Kansas City game, but everyone gets scorched by Tyreek Hill if you don't give him safety help. And so to me, that was more on Zimmer than it was on Breland. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the secondary could be good, but I'm actually a little bit nervous in a sense, just insofar it's not about the personnel, it's just about how. 'Cause it's it's a complicated defense and Zim asks his this isn't like the Seattle cover three, where Seattle runs like the same coverage shell, like one coverage shell, the same look almost all the time, right? This Zim asks his defensive backs to do so much, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna be in cover four, they're doing pattern match stuff, they're gonna be in cover six, they're gonna be cover three, cover one. So they're gonna be doing all kinds of different things. And Peterson's smart enough. Breland is smart enough. Xavier I mean they're all vets, they've all done things. I just wouldn't be surprised if it was like week six or week five before they really started hitting their stride. That wouldn't yeah. be surprising to me at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like I'm I'm kind of trying to flush out my idea a little bit, like verbally yeah. processing, which uh, sometimes is a good spot to do on a podcast, and sometimes uh, is tough. But I think what maybe the point to say what I'm more getting at is like if if this is going to be a number one defense, it's going to be that defensive line. Like that's it's going to be them making that
1: happen. I think, I think that's true. Yeah.
0: And like they, they are going to be the, the key contributor making that, making that happen. So I think that that's, that's what I would um, sit on. And and that's what I would say. Anything else that you wanted to add on in terms of what will make this season a success?
1: No, I think I'm mostly, I'm putting it on there. And then the only thing I would add from there would just be, of course, I'm looking at the QB one cousins one he's available for the team he's there and out there for all 17 games and two he is he'll never be Patrick Mahomes but sometimes he you know drops down as like Blake Bortles and so we can't have that either right so we can't have just the the ground completely fall out from underneath his feet cuz last year those opening six weeks were not very good and we just can't have that stretch from him where he has six weeks where you stand back and you say man for this month and a half you played so so poorly, and you're probably the main reason why we went one in five. We can't have that. No. We, like, and and the defense will be better. Hopefully, the special teams will be better. Uh, but that's gonna that would be a lot to overcome. And so we need one. The season will be a success if that defense does get back to that number one kind of status, or at the very least, kind of like a top five unit, one of the yeah. little league's elite defenses. And then two, if our QB one, if Kirk Cousins is really good good to really good throughout the whole season mm-hmm. uh has tough quarters has a tough half you know mm-hmm. plays a little bit rough here whatever that's fine that happens to everybody but not having several weeks strung together in a row that can be damning for a season and so that though there, there would be my two yeah the, the team the viking season will be a success if those two things happen
0: yeah i kirk's faced a little bit of um Scrutiny this off season for for different yeah. reasons, and even particularly this week. I know there were some comments from from a, a former NFL quarterback that uh, I don't. I, it feels like I've I've seen different things in terms of Viking fans' opinion on uh, McCowan, but it uh, it would not surprise me if he comes out and has a big year. Um, I'd love for him to look to look back and and the only like not the only way, but. some ways maybe it could say the only way that they are going to do well is if he is um a top 10 quarterback this year and i think he definitely has the potential to do that and be that um and so i i feel like kirk is up to the task of of fight or of putting up a fight against all the the naysayers and all the distractions that have been following around particularly during this training camp stage
1: i hope so i hope so i hope you're right
0: um as we wrap up here,
1: prediction for score for the Bengals game. Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. On you. you know, we've, Sam, you and I have talked a little bit about this, where it it's a dumb thing to say, because it's obviously not true, but in a sense, it week one feels important. It almost feels kind of must win ish, even though it obviously isn't, but just insofar as the schedule gets tough quick. And so you don't want to go and one against a team you should beat. And so I'll, I think that is true um so i'll say we should beat them and i'm expecting us to beat them and so put me down for 31 17 for the vikings and what is a relatively complete game uh the team overall does well okay. where, where where are you at with that yeah i uh i'm i'm 28 10
0: for the bengals for, no, no, for, <laughs> no! Just kidding. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you, I can't you, predict. You did, you did. This is, hey, this is early. There's enough negativity. I mean, like this is positive. They're going to come out. They're going to come out flying. I, I, I think the. I don't think that the Bengals will have any points in the first half.
1: You know, you just said numbers there, and so you kind of left it to the listeners and to me to figure out. You know, you said you said twenty-eight to ten. And so, was it the Vikings? Was it the Bengals? No. And so, I was—I was just filling in that blank.
0: Hey, I'm still trying to create a relationship here. I, like I'm. Yeah. I would say that I am. I came into this when you asked me as an NFL fan with only a, a slight uh, inkling towards the Vikings because of our friendship, <laughs> yeah. and I have noticed. And I'm trying my hardest because it rarely pays off to be a fan of a team. Um, I've realized uh, I'm trying my hardest to avoid being a Vikings fan, but it's starting to grow on me a little bit. Um, I'm not, I'm not like, I, I see you smiling. No one can see this, but I, like I, I'm not, I'm not on the bandwagon yet. I just, I see the ups and downs of the fans and just how much they, they feel all these things that are happening. I, I can't surrender to, to being let down. I already have enough, uh, sports teams that I I cheer on that are a letdown, but um, I'm I'm starting to I yeah I'm not at a spot where I'm I'm predicting against them, especially in this Bengals game. This is like you said, it's not a must win, but as close to a must win in a, as a game one can be. Yeah. And, and I am really exactly. hoping for our sake too, because we will be talking about them all season long. That that this yeah. game is a success.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. So we we both got from going one and zero what what yeah. do we what do we have for the odds and ends? yeah, for the
0: odds and ends, I know we've been updating on the wild and we're only a few weeks away now from preseason starting here. hard uh, to believe eh it's wow. it's exciting. this is a great time, I always kind of forget how the summer is great, I love the summer, but I actually prefer the winter um, and I think one of the things that makes the winter so great is all the sports that are around and yeah. so excited for hockey um one of the big news, I guess, just in hockey in general, that I, I know uh, Michael Russo was tweeting out today, some of the, the players that could be impacted by this is that the NHL uh, and the Olympics um, have reached an agreement, NHLPA, and, and we will have NHL players barring. I, I hope there's nothing that, that comes into this. It seems like there's always yeah. a clause that if things something happens unforeseen, um, like a pandemic, which... Um, yeah. <laughs> Still yeah. happening in, in some sense. Yeah. Um yeah. I, but anyways, the that the NHL players will, will be in the Olympics is great. And I know Russo was just tweeting out today some of the the wild players, Minnesota wild players that, that likely will represent their, yeah. their country. Yeah. Uh, and they, they do have several from, from several different countries. And so that yeah, is a definitely. lot of fun. Um, this is gonna be a weird season because it as long as everything goes according to plan, it will be a full season with an an Olympic break and an NHL All-Star game, which the All-Star game just feels like a waste. Um, but yeah. but the Olympics will be just an absolute blast to watch. Um, I know, I think the, yeah. the most interesting player for the Wild is Jared Spurgeon to see if he makes that Canada blue line because the Canadian blue line is so strong. But I've right. seen a ton of support for, for Spurgeon to make that team and it feels like he's a bit of a dark horse. Um, but I think that there's a lot of wild fans that would feel like he should get an honest, good look at, at making that blue line.
1: It's so Sam and I are both from Canada. That's the whole title notes from the North. Uh, we're, we're Canadian. We we both live in Canada and so we're playing off the whole NFC North thing with the Vikings, but also the fact that we're, uh, North of the United States, we're in Canada and so it's kind of interesting, you know. Sam and I are obviously cheering for Team Canada to win, and I don't feel any shame or even any doubt at all when I say that. Without question, Team Canada will have the most talented roster there. I don't. Yeah. That, that doesn't, doesn't mean they're guaranteed to win, but without question, Team Canada will be the most talented team. And so, if the Wild end up getting one or two of their players onto Canada's roster, then that means. That player is pretty legit. I mean, you don't even get considered for Team Canada unless you're for real. I mean, if you if you were to make like a second full team for Team Canada, like a, a Team Canada B, I mean, you still have uh, unbelievable talent, right? So that that is that is interesting. I, I didn't think you were going to say that. I mean, I was just assuming you're going to be talking about the Kaprazovs and the Fialas and the yeah. you know, all the other players we've been talking about this whole off season. But that is interesting. Yeah. I like,
0: I say it in the sense that there's a few locked in players that will, like Kaprasov will be there. Um, 100%. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I know Sturm and and like there's, there's a few locked in, but, but Spurgeon I think is the most interesting and he's definitely a a player that, that wild fans, um, really advocate for and, and just his, his abilities. And so it it will be interesting to see. I think he's, he's one to watch, um, other than that wild update, I know there's, there's been news on Caprizov. It sounds like it's going to be five years. Sounds like it's going to be around 9 million. sounds like they're working out the yeah. details. Um, it, it is definitely at a spot where I want to get this done. There are a lot of RFAs, um, restricted free agents in the NHL that are still yet to be done, mm-hmm. but it sounds like they're just kind of working out some of the structure around the, um, Caprizov details. Yep. Um, I never know Kaprasov, Kaprizov. I, I kind of use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, they they seem close, but there's still things to be made. But I think at least the positive sign is that it feels like there's some agreements that have been put in place. I know people were freaking out earlier in the week because there was an image of him at an airport um, in Serbia. And, and that uh, that was quickly debunked and, and realizing he's just there with family before the season starts um sure, sure. the restrictions are going to be tight it's not it's not like he, you that's a trip you can make in season um right but exactly I think, I think that once that deal is done um all should be well for for the minnesota minnesota wild uh,
1: to me and again i'm not a general manager thank god i'd run the team into the ground i'm sure but to, to me, five by nine, five years, nine million, if it ends up being that or somewhere in and around that range, to me, it's just perfect. Yeah. Um, it's not a totally gargantuan massive number. it's it's really big, it's a lot, and he's getting compensated for being a great player, but it's also not an eight nine year deal, which can always age really poorly. Mm. I, I love it. i I think five by nine is just a perfect sweet spot for both the player and the team,
0: yeah, it takes him to his his age thirty season, I believe. And that's usually a good spot to kind of renegotiate. And you gotta be careful when you sign players after that. Um, But I think that obviously it's, it's not a bargain. Although if he does have continue to develop and continues to become an elite player, uh, then it's definitely a deal that that you don't hesitate thinking about signing and and look back on and say, you know what, that was, that was definitely a great deal. So without question, hopefully hopefully that that wraps up soon. Ready to ready to be done these conversations. I'm sure for for lots of fans, um, but like I said, it's it's going to get done. Uh, I have all the faith that that Garen Bill Garen the GM will will finish this thing off. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll wrap up there. Thanks for listening. Want to thank everyone uh, a ton for listening. We really enjoy support. Always glad to hear feedback. You Can reach out to us on on Twitter and. Um, Kyle, why don't you give an update in, a little bit in terms of where listeners can find more of your work?
1: Yeah, so keep swinging by the podcast. Uh, we'll have it out you know, every Monday pretty consistently. And uh, then from there, you can find me on Twitter at Vikings Gazette and Facebook at Vikings Gazette. And then also you can go to VikingsGazette.com and also PurplePTSD.com and VikingsTerritory.com uh, right for those spots. And so, yeah, by all means, swing by, check it out. And as Sam's saying, we, you know, we love to hear feedback. So if you have some thoughts or questions or whatever the case may be, uh, don't be shy. But we do appreciate you listening and uh, hope that you guys have a a great day.
0: Yeah, 100% look forward to giving an update. And and next time we'll be recapping the Bengals. And so, yeah, look out for episodes the, the Monday following. Take care, everyone, and have a good week.